This episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. Acorn TV. And Acorn TV offers world-class mysteries, dramas, comedies, and documentaries from Britain and beyond. So I'm just starting this week a show with Jane Seymour called Harry Wild. Yeah, it's so fun because it falls under the uh, person who is not an official police person or right. or like in, in the judicial department or anything like that is like, I'm going to get involved and I'm going to help you solve this crime, which is one of my favorite types of ladies. And yeah, so Jane Seymour, I guess, is a retired English professor and her son is a police detective and she just can't help but get involved in the cases he's working on. Yes, and they have a new season coming out this month, so it's the perfect time for you to jump in, Nick. And Jane Seymour is wonderful. Wonderful. So you out there, check that out, and check out all the great stuff that Acorn TV has. Sign up for a 30-day free trial with promo code ACORN30 at acorn.tv. Hey there, it's Nick. And it's Leah. So we're doing another live show. Where you raised by wolves live. And this time we're going to be on the West Coast. Portland, Oregon, babies. So come see us on June 15th. And we're going to be at the Siren Theater. And the show starts at 7.30. So go to our website, whereyourraisedbywolves.com slash live and get some tickets. Join us. Hey, everybody. It's Nick Layton. And I'm Leah Bonema. And we're in New York today. And we have a lot of good questions. Great questions. And they're from the wilderness. Woo! Was that a, that wasn't a howl. <laughs> no, that was a woo-woo. Okay. So our first question is, am I expected to clean my roommate's dishes. Oh, I was excited about this one. <laughs> well, the word expected, I think, is a little loaded here. Yeah, I love how we just take the question <laughs> and we're like, yeah. what are you really asking yeah, us? Yeah. What's your take? Uh, you've had roommates. I've had roommates. I feel like the question is, I don't want to have to clean my roommate's dishes. That's what I feel like the expected yes. means. The issue here is that there's currently a dish problem here. Yes. Uh, there are currently dishes in the sink. And they're not my dishes. Yeah. And so the question is, uh, what do we do about it? Right. I guess the first question is, what's the agreement? What are the house rules? Yes. What have we decided? Have we decided anything? If we have not had this discussion about like, what's up, I think we need to have that discussion. Yep. And this is not an etiquette thing. This is just a household harmony thing. And I think that having the conversation helps with any etiquette moving forward. True. It's a good foundation. Yeah. I also, when I read this, I thought about, I think I must have really committed some etiquette crimes. You know, when you're in your 20s and you're just like cavalier uh -huh. and you're like, oh, I was living with people who lived probably differently than I. Uh -huh. And you just want to, my face turned red. Oh, uh, so you were the culprit. I don't know if I was the you culprit. You were the dish lever. I think I was other things. Mm. Do you know what I mean? We'll put, we'll put a pin in that. <laughs> but I think in general, people have very different thoughts about what is acceptable to them with dishes. Some people feel like that dish needs to be cleaned as soon as it's made dirty. Some people are okay leaving things and then we do dishes at the end of the day. Yeah. Some people are like, we'll do it at the end of the week. Some people, you know, everybody has their own thing. So I think you just want to kind of be on the same page about what everybody's expectations are. Right. And then I think if we are on the same page, then yeah, you should do your roommate's dishes if they're there and you know, that's what it is because ideally they'll do yours. Yeah. If they're doing yours, then you can do theirs. Right. So I think we just want to come to the same understanding. Yeah. And then harmony will reign. Harmony will prevail. Yeah. And if not... Move out. <laughs> so our next question comes from Maine. So maybe you know him. Josh says, he wants our thoughts on hovering over people at a restaurant when you're waiting for a table. When Josh says hover, we know... We know what that means. We know what that means. Yeah, that's, uh, that's aggressively ring. Yeah, the, these people are rude. Well, the people that are dining or the people that are the hovering? The hoverers. Mm. 
Now, I want to take some other side here just for purposes of discussion. Well, if you got a coffee for six hours in a busy restaurant. Right. So I have seen people sit down at a table and they're clearly done and it is very busy cafe and they know people are waiting because we're all standing over you because it's a very small space and you are continuing on your conversation. You're like, oh, we're just having a great time catching up. I think at some point you are being rude by holding this table. I agree with that. So I think in a cafe situation, I think we got to keep moving along. If it's packed and you're just hanging. Yeah. But then there is the line where... You need to hover in some instances because you need to get that table when it's available. Like there are times when like you got to got to slide in. Right. This it's so stressed. I'm so stressed. Right. <laughs> so these are our thoughts, Josh. These are our thoughts on hovering. I mean, you know, is the person leaning into you? That's rude. Physical contact is not polite. You also don't want someone standing over you. Lording over. Yeah, that feels uncomfortable. Yeah. Because also I think when you're close by people know you're waiting. Yeah. I think they, they get a sense of the personal space boundaries sort of being intruded upon and they, they get the signal. So I don't think we have to get too close to make the point. Right. Right. So I guess that's that. Well, we really walked the middle line on that one. Uh, well, I think we, we gave good advice. <laughs> no, I think so too. Yeah. But I'm just saying it really could go either way, depending on the situation. Now, Josh, for Maine, in Maine, I feel like there's more room in restaurants around tables. And so I guess the question is, how close are you that you're hovering in a 5,000 square foot Yeah, because I immediately visualized that somebody was just kind of like lording over him. You know <laughs> what I mean? In like this big space, in which case it's like, back it up. Right. Yeah, if that's happening, then let's not do that. Because I feel like it's very New York to have these tight places where you have to like run to the table. You know what I mean? I can't even handle that when places are like that. I got to go. I'm not, I can't be run to it. It's too, it's savage. It's too much anxiety. Yeah. And in New York, sometimes hovering is just standing in the only spot. Yeah. You don't even mean to be hovering. There's I know just... I'm at the bar also. <laughs> yeah. And also I'm at the door. And I'm also in the bathroom. Right. So that's just where I am. <laughs> Sorry. Our next question is when I'm riding by myself in an Uber, taxi or Lyft, is it rude to sit in the back seat? I usually sit in the back and I don't like the awkward small talk, but I feel bad when I don't talk. Is it rude to not talk to my driver? So two questions here, (laughs) very different. For me, I sit in the back. I think everybody sits in the back. There are some cultures that you do sit in the front. I don't think those are in the United States. No, I also think that if I was a driver and somebody got into the front with me, I would call a friend (laughs) and be like, just so you know, I picked this person up. They sat in the front. This is their name if I go missing. And also often they always have stuff on that seat. Like I know if I'm ever taking a taxi or something and like there's four of us and like I have to sit in front, that's a whole office. That's yeah, like a whole, people are putting their stuff there. There's all sorts of stuff that they have to move around and they're annoyed. Yeah. So I think sitting in the back, I think that should be the default. Yeah. Yeah. And I always sit in the seat behind the passenger seat. Me too. So I'm the diagonal to the driver. I can see the driver. That feels like the safest uh, spot in the car. I think people do recommend you do that. Yeah, so that's also where I do sit. that. Now, the second question, do you have to talk to your Uber driver? I always say, hi, how's your day going? And then... Okay. So, well, you should definitely say hello. Definitely say so hello. So I think we, we start with that. Well, I recently got into a lift where I said hello and the guy didn't talk to me. Interesting. And this was... Why? I don't know why. Okay. Now, sometimes there are drivers that are hard of hearing and, and it'll like, tell it'll you It'll notify app. you, yeah. though. But it wasn't that. It was not that. You just uh, didn't you like it. just you. did not. And I mean, I hadn't been there long enough to figure out that you don't like me. You know what I mean? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Fine for you to arrive at that at the end of the ride. But, but uh, to not like me from the get-go. Out of the gate. But also, this is not safe. Did you not confirm that this was your car? 
with the driver? Oh no, he spoke to me when I got to the car. He goes, Leah. Okay. So we had and that. that. Was it. So I know he. So you make contact. You get in the car and you're like, hello. And, and then he nothing. Okay. Many people would kill for that experience. And then I was leaving. I said, "Have a great night." Nothing. nothing. Okay. I mean, this is uh, not is what it is. Yeah. But uh, yeah, how do you shut down a conversation with somebody who's chatty? I really have trouble with this because I don't want to be rude. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times I have work to do. I've gotten in such conversations where I feel like I end up knowing a person's whole life. You know what I mean? And then you're like, how did this happen? I've been on a lot of rides that are a lot of oversharing. Yeah. And I don't mind a good overshare when I'm in the mood. You know what <laughs> right. I mean? I still remember this great lift ride in Los Angeles um, with this man who his girlfriend was really treating him very badly. And oh. I mean, I got the whole, you know what I mean? <laughs> I just, I still think about him. I hope he cut her off. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, but sometimes when you're clearly trying to work or something, yeah. then you don't want to be rude. It's really hard to just be like, don't talk to me. I don't think you start with there. Oh, definitely don't start there. I mean, I think most drivers are sort of attuned to people's conversation style. So I think if you're polite and you sort of answer questions politely, but don't add questions of your own, then I think most drivers sort of get the hint and we're going to have a quiet ride. I do think with, I don't take a lot of lifts and I don't take taxis because I've had so much, I think often with women, Mm -hmm. a lot of times drivers... I've had a lot of drivers where it just immediately gets personal really quickly. Oh. And then you just don't want to have to just throw up those boundaries when you're just trying to get somewhere. Mm. And then you don't also don't want to have an argument about it. You know, so you're like, how did I get put in this situation again? Okay. So there's no solution to that. No, I, I feel like there should be a way to be like, I don't want to have... I mean, you could just set that boundary. Be like... I, I think it is polite to basically say at some point, like, I'm so sorry, I have some work to do on my phone, so I can't chat. I, I think that I think you could say that if you needed to. Yeah, and then just lock into your phone. Yeah, and which, P.S., that's what you're doing anyway. Right. That's what everybody's doing in the back of a car. So I think that's fine. I do think women probably, if we did a, if we did where we polled people. We're going to do a listener survey. <laughs> yeah, my guess is that women get caught up in conversations they don't want to be caught up in more. Oh, sure. Oh, as a society? Oh, well, for sure. And, and also in cars, then you're stuck in this situation where somebody's telling you, that you should be married. Okay. You wouldn't believe the amount of times. That this comes up for you. Yeah. Yes. As a man, I do not experience this <laughs> to the degree you do. Yes. And also, I think for you, you've talked about how conversations take a turn very quickly. Yeah. All of a sudden you're like, what just happened? We're like, we're just, we're having flight pleasantries and then now it became overtly something. Yeah. Because I always want to know how people, hey, how, are, how is your debt? You know, mm-hmm. just like a nice little, and then everybody goes about their... But then it becomes inappropriate. Then all of a sudden you're like, what just happened? Yeah. No, this is this definitely does not happen to me as often as it happens to you. So I'm sorry that society is unequal <laughs> in that way. <laughs> but I do think we can find ways for people to st- still feel polite and put up. Yes. I think just saying like, oh, I'm so sorry. I, I have to send this email on my phone. Uh, I can't chat at the moment. Yeah. And that's polite and fine. Yep. Yeah. Our next question is. Quote, I recently ended seeing someone after around four months due to realizing I didn't have the time or mental bandwidth to make the relationship thrive as I wanted to. We didn't end on bad terms or negative reasons. We still follow each other on social media, and this person is an avid poster. I know I'm entitled to unfollow them to facilitate my own healing, but I feel compelled to reach out to them explaining... Leah's already shaking her head. But I feel compelled to reach out to them explaining why I'm unfollowing them as it would mean unfollowing them without providing an explanation. And I still care about this person. Is there actually an etiquette basis for reaching out? And if so, how might you advise going about this sensitively? Why don't you give us your opinion, Nick? So, basically a couple thoughts. 
One is when a relationship ends, I think if it's amicable, the best thing to do would be to mute them. Yes. Not unfollow. I think that's the nice baseline approach. If it has ended and it's not amicable, the person that is the dumpy is entitled to unfollow. The dumper should mute. What the dumper should not do is continually following this person and liking their posts. Why are you doing that? Do not like. Post to people you are not interested in dating anymore. The recipient of those likes finds that very confusing. Yeah, I agree with that. Don't do that. Don't do that to people. not nice. So I think that's the baseline. So I think for this, we just mute. We just leave it there. Yeah, I think you just mute them. That achieves your goal. No problem. Then I think in six months, a year, anytime you think about it, you could unfollow at some point down the line. Okay, fine. And I don't. you don't tell them that you're muting you them. You do not tell them. They don't know? No, it's fine. You just mute them and then you don't see their stuff. Yeah. And you do not owe them a conversation about unfollowing them on social media. Yeah. Presumably, you've already had the conversation about we're not dating anymore. That was the conversation. So I think they know there's some closure here. So that's my thoughts. I agree with you 100%. Yeah, anything to add? I did have some thoughts because I think sometimes when people want to explain to the people, they want to explain it for them, not for the person. Okay, like I want you to know that I'm unfollowing you because... Yeah, because I don't think the person hearing it, it doesn't help them in any way to know. Yes, there's no upside. It sounds like we're not in a great place with this breakup and that there's some unfinished business. Even though they say they still care for each other. And so I feel like that's just a complicated. So I, that's why well, I just think the muting is perfect. Muting is perfect. But in this question, there's like, oh, we're done. I don't have the bandwidth. I still care for them, but I don't want to follow them anymore so I can emotionally heal. Right. Like, couple different currents that are maybe conflicting. So it does feel like there's something unfinished. Because let's say you were going to say, like, I'm unfollowing you and I want to have a conversation about it. Like, what is the conversation? Yeah, you're just unfollowing me. I'm unfollowing you uh, because we broke up. Unless there's more to say, in which case, like, oh, if there's more to say, well, then do we want to say that? But that has nothing to do with the social media. Yeah, that's what my takeaway was. The person, you're just unfollowing them. Right. So it's not really a conversation. Right. So, But mute. Mute is your yeah. friend. And that works for all platforms. You can mute on Twitter, mute on Instagram, mute on You can Facebook. block people's phone numbers and they don't know it. They just keep messaging you. Great. Yeah. A lot of avenues. So I would do all of those. And I think that's the right way to go. Now it's time for Intermezzo. Intermezzo. So this episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. And Acorn TV offers world-class mysteries, dramas, comedies, and documentaries from Britain and beyond. So on your recommendation, Leah, I started watching Happy Valley. Yes. And now you see how the title is ironic. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And also, so much is going on in this town. So much is going on. We already, we started at 10. And then yeah. we keep going up. But I will say, the lead, she is so good. She's unbelievable. Why are they better actors over there? She is incredible. Yeah. And just, yeah, the way the storytelling is done and the way it's shot, like, oh, it it, it, it got me. It got me. I'm in. I'm, I'm in. so glad. I knew you would love it. I was like, this is great storytelling, great acting. Also, I sweat. I break a full sweat in that show. So you out there, check that out and check out all the stuff that Acorn has. Sign up for a 30-day free trial with promo code ACORN30 at acorn.tv. And now it's time for Intermezzo. Intermezzo. So this episode is brought to you by Book of the Month. I am loving getting to pick my Book of the Months. 
Is that what the appropriate way to pluralize it? I'm loving getting my books of the month, but for multiple months now. So books of the months. Yeah. Oh, it's so easy to order. It's super convenient. Their selection is wonderful. And this month I picked The Ministry of Time, which sounds wild. It is about a civil servant who's helping to manage some government program where time travelers from other eras like come to help with something. And then they apparently fall in love. What? So like this guy from the 1800s is like, what's Spotify? And then like, you know, love happens. So I cannot wait to receive this. <laughs> you know, love happens. And you out there, you're going <laughs> to love Book of the Month. So you can get your first book for just $5 with code PEDALS. So go to bookofthemonth.com and use code PEDALS to get your first book for just $5. Our next question is... Quote, I have a colleague who regularly checks in after work hours, 7.30 p.m. on a Friday, 9.15 a.m. on a Saturday, 6 a.m. on a Thursday. It's usually a quick, hello, thought you might find this interesting with a link. Or sometimes it's a, how was your day? One to 10. Or what's a highlight from this week? I give 100% when I'm at work and very much try to check out when I'm at home and be engaged and present with my friends and family and focus on my life outside of work. At first, I responded fairly quickly. Then I became a bit more delayed, and now I sometimes completely refuse to respond. Am I being rude by not responding, or is he being rude by interrupting my time away from work? The second time I read this, I had a completely different thought the first time. Okay. Well, while you're contemplating which lane you want... No, I think it's two lanes. Oh, okay. Well, both of them have the same answer. But in the second time I read through, I wanted to be like, are you sure this person isn't... Oh, you think there's flirting? Do you think that's it? How was your day one to 10? I don't... Thought you might (laughs) like this at 6 a.m. in the morning? What's the highlight from this week? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, these struck me as weird questions. These are not colleague work-related questions. But they also sound like a little... You know those people who do coaching, like career coaching? These feel like career coaching questions. But they're coming in at not career coaching hours. True. Okay. So you feel like there might be uh... Well, the second time I read it through, I was like, is that a possibility? I think now that you've brought that up, that is a possibility. Yes. I had not considered this. I still have the same answer either way, but sometimes things feel inappropriate and we don't know why. Mm. And obviously this person doesn't like this because they wouldn't have written it in. True. So is there another level of why it feels inappropriate because it feels overly friendly? Not that they're, you know, that's not a work question. Uh, Presumably not. Yeah. So I guess one question that was not answered is, is this Email? Is this text? What is this? Because I think the response can be a little different based on the medium. Like emails, I think you have a path to not respond until the next business day. Yeah, business day, no problem. Texts do seem more intimate and have a higher sense of urgency. Why did I read this as an email? Uh, It's not there. It says regularly checks in. Yeah, I mean, I think I kind of just assumed it was an email at, at first, but it could be a text. Yeah. But if it's a text, it is a little harder to ignore texts sometimes. But I think not responding until you're in business hours, I think, is a fine solution. Oh, so if somebody's texting you at 9.15 on a Saturday <laughs> yeah, or 7.30 on a Friday, you know what I mean? These are home times. Yes. Yeah, I think it. something else is going on here. Something else is going on here. I feel like something here. else is going on here and yeah. this person's, you we know, cr- we crack the spidey code. sense is up. Yeah. And I don't think our letter writer acknowledges that. I don't know if they know that that's what's happening. So I think our letter writer, this might be happening. Yeah. Yeah. I think actually 
That's what's happening. I feel like that's what's happening. That's definitely what's happening now. So, okay. Now we have somebody who is flirting with you. We've decided. <laughs> yep, that's what's happening. Regardless of how you feel about nope. the situation. That's it. You're wrong. <laughs> this is happening. So, okay. What do we advise? Now, I guess the question is, do we want to be interested in them? Probably not. No. Not getting that sense. So we now need to turn someone's advances down. Well, even if it's not advances, even if it's just work hey, time stuff. Leah, what was the highlight for your week? Right. at 6 a.m. You don't have to answer it. You can answer <laughs> I'm during- I'm going to text you tonight at 11 p.m. Be like, 1 to 10. How's it going? I would answer that. <laughs> I would actually answer that. And I'll tell you exactly what I'll be doing at 11 p.m. <laughs> so I think you do not need to respond in real time. Definitely not. And I think you can respond during business hours, nine to five. I think respond during whatever your business hours are mm -hmm. and respond to the questions that are business colleague related. Okay. What was like the highlight of your day? The PowerPoint I gave on the Clemens account. Yeah. I would assume that that's what that question means. And then also if it's a link and it's related to your jobs or your mm -hmm. industry. But if it's a lovely hotel in the Poconos, yeah. maybe not. I mean... Okay. We see right through this colleague. Okay. We got your number. Our next question is also office related. Oh, and this is from our super fan, Patty. Patty, we love you. Patty. Heart. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Patty heart. Patty heart. Heart Patty. But in my head, what I was doing was doing an emoji, but then I said the word. I don't know. No, I actually caught it. Okay. I felt the, I felt the heart emoji. I was emoji. saying emoji. Uh, sorry. I don't think that's a thing that our language is doing yet, but English is getting there. No, but I actually saw it when you said it. Oh. So Patty, we love you. And Patty's question was, I have a question concerning vaping in the workplace. I feel like it is the same as smoking in the workplace. Recently, a new coworker started in our small office. And although he doesn't vape with the boss close, he does a lot when the boss leaves the office. Obviously, he must know it's not permitted or he wouldn't vape in the boss's view. So with all the bad press concerning vaping these days, is it okay to tell your coworker to take it outside as kindly as possible? And if it is not received well, is it okay to let the boss know? What do you think, Leah? I never like the idea of letting the boss know. We don't want to start there. Yeah, because, you know, that's... I feel like if you maybe try to handle it amongst yourselves first. Yeah. Or if you feel you have to let the boss know, I wouldn't name names. I don't, you know what I just oh, don't. Oh, we, we know Chad's vaping in the office. Okay. So then I, I just wouldn't go to, I do feel like you absolutely have the right to say, please don't vape inside. The rules for smoking and vaping, I think are the same. Yeah. Uh, and so even if you're stepping outside, you should not do it at the entrance. You know, you should like step down a little bit. I mean, ways. people are vaping everywhere. Yes. And you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't be. Right. It's hard, but I feel like you could just someone be like, hey, can you just vape outside? Yeah. And I'll I just think, walk over and say that. Yeah. I think you are within your rights to say that. Yeah. And I, I think it's just a direct, they know yeah. that they should be vaping outside. That's why they're not doing it when the boss is there. Yeah. They, so they know. And then I think the second thing to do before the boss is that sometimes I think you can leave a general sign, like a sign and you write somebody's vaping in the office. The smell bothers me. Do you mind vaping outside? So a passive aggressive. It's not passive aggressive because it's, I don't like it. I'm putting out a public warning. I've already talked to you. The next thing, I don't want to go to the boss. You know what I mean? Okay. So this is a stepping stone. Yeah. Slight escalation. Next one. That would be the next one. Okay. And then uh, we go to the boss and be like, can you say something to Chad? Do you think that's passive aggressive? I mean, generally speaking, it is difficult to write a note in the office about coworkers behavior that does not feel passive aggressive. Okay. I see what you're saying. Like your mom doesn't work here. Clean up your own dishes. 
Right. Or bathroom notes. I mean, if you Google office bathroom signs, I mean, there's- a, Oh, I'm going to go home and Google that because it sounds really there's exciting. There's quite a lot of material. Yeah. So I guess uh, just saying something to this coworker and be like, hey, would you mind just vaping outside? I think we all get why you want that. And I think they should accommodate this. Yeah. And if they don't- Then I guess, I think you could just go to the boss at that point and be like, Chad is refusing just to respect the office air. And so please have a word with them. Right. And I think that I think that's fine. Because this is not necessarily an etiquette thing at some point. Well, I mean, it is in that it's like shared air and it's... Yes. I mean, I think also this colleague would want to respect his coworkers as well and would not be wanting to do behavior that disturbed them. Oh, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. On their end. On their end, yeah. So everybody has their part to play here. And it does feel... I hate walking up to people and being like, can you not... Mm. But in the office where you have to do this day after day. Yeah. Yeah. And you're breathing it in and. Yeah. This is an okay occasion. Yeah. Yeah. Our next question is, quote, we regularly have dinner with a group of old friends, only one of whom drinks alcohol. We normally split the bill evenly, but how can I get him to open a bar tab and pay for his own drinks? He has expensive taste and drinks a lot. I feel like this happens a lot. Oh, all the time. Yes. And it's never close. It's always the bill difference is usually pretty substantial. Yeah, because when people drink, they drink nice liquor. They drink a few. You know what I mean? It's a so I think you could just be really direct about it. Yeah, I think you have a couple different choices. I mean, I think this is a group of old friends. Your relationship is such where like you probably can be more direct than if this was like a work dinner. Yeah, I think you just straight up be like, hey, Chad, you always since you're the only one drinking, how about you get the drinks? We'll split everything else evenly. Yeah, I think you could just say that. I think occasion is to do it quickly when the bill comes. So it's just sort of like done. And no judgy in it. Just really quick. Yeah, just a, a quick uh, toss aside. Yep. Be like, oh, you had drinks, so we'll just do it this way. And then we'll all split the rest of it evenly. Yeah. I mean, depending on how close it is, you could have uh, this person like lead the tip to try and make up the difference. That's kind of an option. Yeah. If it feels like that's not going to be successful for some reason, I think you could ask for separate checks at the time when you're asking for the bill. Be like, oh, hey, can we grab the bill? And can we have separate checks? You could do that. Or you could take the bill yourself and be like, I'll Venmo everybody. And then you just Venmo this drinker what he owes. That's something. Or, oh, I've got lots of ideas. Uh Or you could pull the waitress aside at some point during the meal and be like, when the bill comes, can you just automatically bring a separate checks? That, That might be an option. That might be aggressive. I don't know. How do we like that? I don't know. I think as somebody who was a waitress for a long time, I always wanted to know if people were doing separate checks up top oh. because I put it in, you you put it in the machine separately. Oh, I see. Okay. So the best option is when the bill comes casually be like, Hey, let's do it this way. Yeah. Because you're not, what has happened in society is people who are saying the logical thing end up being that they feel like they're the rude one, like yes. asking people to smoke outside or <laughs> right. when you're the only person drinking, asking somebody to pay for their drink. Right. But you're actually not being rude. No. And I think that this person knows that. That's an excellent point. This, this should go in a pillow. <laughs> it's a very we, long pillow. I, we can make big pillows. Yeah. No, the, that concept of like the person that is just sort of stating the obvious about how the world should be working is somehow considered the rude person for like identifying this wrong. This is a flaw in our society. Yeah. It's, and it's not you. And this person knows that. Yeah. And I don't think that is just say it like there's no judgment in it. You cover your drinks, then we're just split the rest evenly. Boom. Boom. Done. Yeah. And I think it's also not a discussion. You're not asking them to cover their drinks. Yes. They drank their drinks. Yes. This is, uh, we all agree on those facts. Yes. And in general, I think when we're dealing with the whole bill splitting thing, I think we maybe chatted about this when we were talking about brunch, is the faster the whole conversation can be, the better. 
we do not want to belabor the how we're going to do it conversation. So it just needs to be like a ninja. Like, this is what it is. Done. Get it done. Yeah. You're in, you're out. So check. Oh, you're doing this. We're doing this. That's what's happening. And so there can be no conversation. That's the most polite way to do it. Yep. Okay, great. So finally, we have two PSAs. And the first PSA comes from Leah, who observed something this week and wants to share. I did observe something. Okay. It happened twice within a very short period of time. So it's two as a pattern. Yep. So I was like, we should bring this up. Okay. Both situations, there was people who are Mm non-parents telling stories Mm -hmm. that involved children that were not happy stories. And the people who are parents... It obviously viscerally bothered them. Okay. And they're both new parents and they were like, oh, this story is a little uncomfortable. uncomfortable." And then the person kept continuing the story. Oh, so did not take the hint. In both situations. And these were different storytellers? Different storytellers, different situations, different parents. Oh, okay. So you have a good focus group sample size. Um, yeah, it was like, so I was like, oh, this has happened. Okay. And it wasn't like the story had anything with the story. T- it was just like this news thing that they thought was crazy. There was no important right. information, you know? And it was like, I think you could just drop it. Yeah, we don't have to tell the story. It seems like not only an etiquette breach, mm. but... It's an etiquette breach, yeah. It's, oh, it's definitely an etiquette breach, but it's also like, don't upset people. When, <laughs> don't they, upset when they've people. spoken up... Yes. I mean, the etiquette crime here is that someone has sort of sent you a pretty clear signal that you should discontinue your current behavior. Yes. And you just do it anyway. You just did it anyway. Yeah. And I assume it's because that person is not a parent, so didn't understand how real it feels. Yeah, I guess parents, I think, uh, have such empathy for children in general that kicks in. I'm not a parent, but I understand this is the case. That the idea of hearing about another child sort of in danger or being harmed is uh, very visceral. Yes, and you can understand that. But I think in general, when we're ever telling a story that involves some sort of tragedy, we never know what people's backstories are or what they have in their past that might relate, um, like a, a fire or a death or, you know, what whatever it is. Accident. Accident. Um, And so hearing a story that is sort of like related to something that's happened in your past can be very uncomfortable. And I think you always want to just be mindful before you tell an anecdote that has some sort of element of tragedy to like, is this the right audience? Yeah. And if somebody goes as far as to be like, ooh. Yeah. We want to end the story. Pull it back. Yeah. I'm sure I've done this. Yes. I am sure I've done this too um, because I just talk a lot. Uh, so yeah. inevitably, the uh, odd of averages, statistically speaking, I'm sure I've done this, but I think it is good to be mindful. I just sense I saw it back to back in two different conversations. It's weird. What involved four different people. Yeah. I just found it to be very, an interesting thing to be aware of. Yeah. So the PSA is just be mindful before you tell a story that has sort of an edge and then know your audience. And then if your audience gives you a signal, Yeah, just that. because it's not something that upsets you doesn't mean it won't upset the person. Bingo. And speaking of being upsetting... Our second PSA (laughs) comes from John in New York, and he just wants to vent. And, you know, this is a safe space. So John says, quote, people who stand on the left side of the escalator. Period. Full stop. (laughs) Uh, I saw this and I love John. (laughs) Yeah, John, we feel you. Oh, my word. I see people on the left side of the elevator and I think. What are you doing over there? What's going on? What happened? Yeah. Did your system shut down on this side and you can't physically move to the right? Because we all know. I think we all know this information. It's the same people that drive slow in the left lane. Uh, yes. But I think this is worse than that. Because we all understand when you're on an escalator, where you're supposed to stand and how you're supposed to pass people. Like, we know. 
Everybody knows this information. This is not new information to anybody. If you do a survey of a thousand people, I think they will all tell you where you stand, where you pass. I think everybody knows this is a universal information. It's unbelievable. Or counterpoint. Does anybody not know? I think there could be like one person who doesn't know. Okay. What if they'd never been on an escalator? Ever. Ever. Okay. I'm going to give that one person a pass. But I feel like if it was your first time in an escalator, you would want to look at what everybody else is doing to know how to do it, right? You'd want to see like, oh, what do I do? One would, yes. Right. So yes, the standing on the left is very annoying. In New York, I find this happens a lot with tourists and they're leaning and they're chatting and they're all that. And then they're always like a little disgruntled when you're like, um, can I, can, can I, I pass? Can I go by? Yeah. So this is maddening, yeah. I don't know if tourists know that you have to stand to the right. You don't think? Well, why are they doing it then? Well, I mean, why is anybody doing anything? <laughs> I mean, where do you want to start with that? But I think if we don't know, let's just say it. You stand on the right on an escalator and you pass on the left. Pass on the left. You do not stay stationary on the left. No, you move. You're moving on the left. If you're not moving, you're on the right. Mm-hmm. And that's it. You're definitely not standing in the middle taking up space. You are definitely not in the middle holding both handrails. <laughs> that's not what we're doing, no. Which I've seen. Right. And this rule also applies to people movers in airports. Oh, yes. This definitely applies to people movers in airports. Yeah. I, I love John. John's oh. coming in hard. He's not even going to write the full sentence out. <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. Just people who stand on the left side of escalators. <laughs> Period. Done. So do you have questions for us or statements? We would love to hear them. So send them in. You can send them into our website, where you're raised by wolves.com. And we have lots of other options of how you can get information to us. So DM us, email us, text us, leave us a voicemail. We'll take it all. Nick's taking texts when people real time. I love it. Real time. I love it. If I'm on my phone, I got time. Happy to answer you. So send them in and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. This episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. Acorn TV. And Acorn TV offers world-class mysteries, dramas, comedies, and documentaries from Britain and beyond. So I'm just starting this week a show with Jane Seymour called Harry Wild. Yeah, it's so fun because it falls under the uh, person who is not an official police person or right. or like in, in the judicial department or anything like that is like, I'm going to get involved and I'm going to help you solve this crime, which is one of my favorite types of ladies. And yeah, so Jane Seymour, I guess, is a retired English professor and her son is a police detective and she just can't help but get involved in the cases he's working on. Yes, and they have a new season coming out this month, so it's the perfect time for you to jump in, Nick. And Jane Seymour is wonderful. Wonderful. So you out there, check that out, and check out all the great stuff that Acorn TV has. Sign up for a 30-day free trial with promo code ACORN30 at acorn.tv. This episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. Acorn TV. And Acorn TV offers world-class mysteries, dramas, comedies, and documentaries from Britain and beyond. So I'm just starting this week a show with Jane Seymour called Harry Wild. Yeah, it's so fun because it falls under the uh, person who is not an official police person or right. or like in, in the judicial department or anything like that is like, I'm going to get involved and I'm going to help you solve this crime, which is one of my favorite types of ladies. And yeah, so Jane Seymour, I guess, is a retired English professor and her son is a police detective and she just can't help but get involved in the cases he's working on. Yes, and they have a new season coming out this month, so it's the perfect time for you to jump in, Nick. And Jane Seymour is wonderful. Wonderful. 
So you out there, check that out and check out all the great stuff that Acorn TV has. Sign up for a 30-day free trial with promo code ACORN30 at acorn.tv.